New York State's on pause. The capital region's busiest centers are looking eerily empty. Right now, Broadway is dead. But the news stops for no pathogen. The Times Union is an essential business, and we're still at it. Wars has impacts for every department of the newspaper, beginning, of course, with the fact that there's nobody at the newspaper right now. This is The Eagle, a Times Union podcast, a look inside our newsroom. I'm Jessica Marshall. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. We're kicking off this new weekly podcast with a look at our reporting in the time of coronavirus. I'm here now with Times Union editor Casey Styler, and it's worth noting that we're speaking to each other right now from our respective houses, much more than six feet from each other. So Casey, is it fair to say that maybe you've never experienced anything like this in your time as a journalist or even in your life? Definitely in my life and in my life as a journalist, you know, although I was born in Buffalo, I did most of my growing up in Kentucky and in Kentucky periodically in the spring, you would worry about tornadoes. That was sort of the, when I was a kid, that was kind of the worst disaster you would think of. And then of course I was living in Albany, uh, during 9-11, uh, but of, of course I was the entertainment editor back there. So the the implications, though they were newsroom-wide for our coverage, were um, far more kind of localized and mild. I mean, the entertainment world in the capital region and elsewhere kind of took a pause, but really only kind of a pause for a week. And then in patriotic fervor, it all came came roaring back and people wanted to get out and be together and and that kind of thing. This is radically wildly different and of course has impacts for every department of the newspaper beginning of course with the fact that there's nobody at the newspaper right now with the exception of a couple of very brave very hard-working um, layout folks and of course our our actual production facility the printing press the mailers the distributors um, all of those uh, people who take the paper from the building and get it to your door every day who are being very careful and are just doing a great job day in, day out. But everybody else, all the journalists are, are working from home. It's journalism in the time of Corona. Now, along those lines, how has the structure of the paper changed? I mean, how do you have a sports section if sports are canceled? Well, I give a lot of credit to, to Bill Douglas, our sports editor, and, um, and his team because every day I think I'm going to wake up and see that the, the sports section is just a single big headline that says everything is called off, but they are doing a great job, not only um, continuing on with stories that we would do in the spring anyway, lauding high school athletes and college athletes who are kind of coming to the end of their career or who are kind of summing up their, their seasons, but there's also great journalism that's being done by the sports team on the multifarious ramifications of the crisis. The fact that, as everyone knows, you know, college athletes, my, my son plays, uh, plays baseball at Siena. For him, and especially for the seniors that he played with, the, there's, of course, a big question about eligibility. The NCAA voted earlier this week that players who uh, missed out on the season will get an additional um, year of eligibility. 
there are also stories about the economic ramifications for golf courses, for anywhere that sports is played, bowling alleys. You know, Pete Doherty has a weekly bowling column. And, and this week it was, I think it, it offered some solace to, to bowling fans by uh, directing them to uh, YouTube where they can watch famous uh, bowling matches of yesteryear. You know, it's the, the sports department is a good indication of just how far we've kind of fallen away from normal during this crisis. And I think it does offer some comfort to open the paper and see that there are still stories to be told about sports. It's a huge part of so many people's lives. Are there any other sections that were similarly affected or affected maybe a little bit less? Well, certainly the, the preview section is a good deal smaller than it usually is, I think, by, by, about, uh, by about three quarters, basically. And, and there again, uh, you know, the preview section, which comes out in the paper on Thursday, is our go and do section. And when you are not only not going anywhere, you're only doing things that are at home, how do you, how do you change that up? And once again, the staff has kind of uh, risen to the challenge to offer people ideas for ways that they can stay entertained at home online options, um, you know, really good TV, binge-worthy, thank God. Imagine what this would be like if we were not living in the era of peak TV and binge-worthy TV. I don't, I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> would you say that, you know, the way we've had to adapt here at the Times Union, do you think that's going to change the way we do business going forward? Do you think it's going to change the way journalism is done going forward? What are your thoughts on that? I gave up long ago making making those kind of sweeping predictions. I, I think that, first of all, the direct ramifications of, of this crisis for journalism writ large will be very, very grim. We've already seen a couple of local papers around the state close down because their margins were already, you know, so very, very slender and just a couple of weeks of losing the amount of retail advertising that um, the Times Union, like every other um, news outlet, has lost is devastating. Um, Gannett papers and journalists who write for, um, for Gannett outlets uh, have been forced to take uh, furloughs uh, over the course of the next couple of months. A couple of papers have, uh, have gone to layoffs as well. The newspaper business was already uh, facing significant headwinds and has been, of course, for, you know, basically the last two decades. And this is, it's hitting them with a, with a real gale force wind. The Times Union is luckily able to weather these things relatively well. The Hearst Corporation is, uh, is well situated to, to bear up under this kind of pressure. But once again, as we did two months ago, the Times Union depends on its subscribers, and we appreciate the support that they give to our journalism week in, week out, in times of crisis and in normal times as well. The future probably isn't something that many of us are thinking about right this second. For the moment, we're talking about, you know, what's, what's happening this week. And unless you're living under a rock, you know, you can probably guess the answer to this, but please humor me. What was the top story this week? The top story is certainly coronavirus, that's pretty much the only story right now. It pretty much every, you cannot think of a story that appears in the paper that is not impacted by, by coronavirus. I would say in today's paper, you've got a mistrial in one of the most significant and horrible uh, murder cases that the region has seen in the last couple of years, this uh, horrible killing from 
uh, two years ago in Lansingburg ended in a mistrial. But the reason it ended in a mistrial because, was because one juror had fallen sick, two other jurors had expressed grave concern about coming back for deliberations. You know, it's, it's like 12 angry men in the, in the time of coronavirus. Uh, I would say the only story that is in today's paper that, uh, or at least significant story that doesn't have anything to do with coronavirus is a story about the athletes on the uh, Siena men's basketball team from a couple of years ago who talk about what it was like to have their record in no small part erased because of uh, NCAA violations that were, um, that were leveled against the team, specifically against the former coach, Jimmy Patsos. So I read that story um, with a certain degree of comfort because it did not mention the coronavirus coverage, but I think that's just about it. The crossword puzzle is, uh, is not yet impacted as far as I can tell, so. <laughs> Nor is it likely to be, I'm guessing, hopefully. Fingers crossed. All right, well, what can we look out for next week? I think next week you're going to, our journalists are, are working 24-7 or at least 27 to cover the crisis. I think the challenge is going to be as New York does approach what has been predicted to be the apex of infection. And of course, most of these cases, thank goodness, at least for the capital region or downstate, but the apex is supposed to come in the next two to three weeks. And I think the ramifications for upstate will continue to demonstrate themselves. But I think the challenge is also going to be for our journalists, just covering how people are living their lives as well. There, there are the daily updates, there are the, the unrelenting daily numbers, but there's also the way in which it is changing our lives. What does it mean to be trapped at home with your family for a week versus two weeks versus three weeks? what are we going to start to see in terms of the public levels of frustration? Everybody is under pressure. And as you know, over time, as pressure builds up, it does more damage. We're all in this together. Indeed. So we're calling this podcast The Eagle. Can you tell us what that means? The Eagle is historically a bold and imposing uh, symbol of the Hearst Corporation, which goes all the way back to William Randolph. And I think uh, it's always, it's also been a part of the Times Union's uh, flag, as readers will, will know if they either consume us online or in print. I think it's, it's well chosen as a, as a title for this effort. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you. After the break, how COVID-19 is affecting one of the region's biggest tourism draws, Saratoga Springs. What's going to happen with the summer season there? We'll hear from Times Union reporter Wendy Liberator, who's following that story closely. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I'm Jessica Marshall. They're off in the 150 Summer in Saratoga Springs. Horse racing, polo, concerts under the stars at the SPAC, splashing around at the pools at Spa State Park. To us, the cancellation of the summer season means a loss of beloved tradition and cultural and entertainment outlets. 
To the city and the region, however, it's a potential loss of millions of dollars. The Times Union's Wendy Liberator has been following that story this week, and I caught up with her via Zoom to talk about the latest. You recently wrote a story on what is happening with the Saratoga summer season, which is pretty sacred around here. Can you just give me a 10,000-foot view of it? Well, basically, there's a lot of concern that the Saratoga Performing Arts Center might have to cancel its season. The Saratoga Race Course might not open. And those are the two biggies. They bring over $300 million into the city each year. They bring many, many people, uh, a million and a half people come into the city uh, just for those two things alone. And they stay at hotels, go to restaurants. And if the COVID-19 pandemic is not under control, Saratoga Springs is going to be hurting. SPAC is saying, oh, we're not sure right now if we'll be open. They're being honest about it. But not that the New York Racing Association is not, but they're still saying, oh, no, everything will be fine. We'll be opened. Mm-hmm. But it, there's still a lot of concern because no one knows how long this is going to go. This is new territory for everybody. Surely. And it sounds like it could be absolutely devastating beyond just inconvenient, but devastating for all involved. Yeah, because Saratoga brings in about a billion dollars a year to the area. That's a lot of money. And right now, Broadway is dead. There are people walking around with their dogs, but uh, most restaurants. Uh, are essentially closed. Many of them are doing takeout. Same with most stores. So there's not a lot happening there. And this is the time of year when things start perking up in Saratoga. They're getting off the slow season. There's a lot of concern uh, with businesses that, okay, we're coming off the slow season. We don't have cash in our pockets right now. I talked to some of them and said, well, this is your slow season, so it's probably okay that you miss these last couple of weeks. And they said, no, not at all. Any way you, any way you slice it, this is not good for us. Are you seeing any, any of those businesses or you know, uh, business owners trying to do anything unique to adapt, or are they just kind of sitting there freaking out? No, uh, they are doing a lot of things. Many of them are open for delivery. Most of the restaurants, even the fine dining restaurants, which have never had takeout before, are doing takeout and delivery. I talked with the woman who owns Impressions, Marianne Barker. She said she is, you know, taking phone calls at the shop. You can buy whatever you want from the shop and she will deliver it to your home. You pay over the phone and then she'll drop it off at your door. And she actually, right now, she's only doing Saratoga Springs, but she's considering expanding it. Catherine Hover, who owns Peyton Sip, she's been uh, creating paint kits that she sells outside on the street. So people will have something to do when they're stuck at home. She also owns a cafe that's outside on the sidewalk uh, selling their pastries. And uh, so many people have come up to Catherine and asked uh, for bread or milk, and she's gone and has asked her suppliers to 
provide more of the basics so people can have them in their their cupboard so she's selling that as well on the sidewalk but uh oh and the chamber is also selling gift cards to all the different businesses that they're members of so they're trying but it's just not the same volume they would be getting with hundreds of thousands of people coming in their doorway of course of course now you mentioned this a little bit earlier you said the streets or broadway was pretty empty i mean you yeah. did you walk up and down the street did you did you uh experience it firsthand yes and um you see people with their dogs people are walking dogs that's about it and uh, they give you wide berth. Good thing the Broadway sidewalks are wide. So they give you wide berth and they just say hello. But I haven't seen a lot of people either violating the social distancing. I, I know there was concerns in other parts, you know, Schenectady of kids playing basketball. You, you don't really see that in Saratoga. It is quiet. Wow. So what's next in your reporting on this? Are you gonna follow up on this um, in the coming days and weeks? What's your plan? Well, my plan is to just keep looking at this day to day. Many of the businesses said, we think it'll be okay if it just goes through the end of April, but there's serious concern that it will not. And it'll be a huge crash if again, SPAC and, tra and the track do not open. Right now, the uh, Racino, the hotel and casino has been closed. Again, they bring in millions of dollars to the city so this is, this is already a problem for the city's revenue. They, they think they might lose up to 16 million, a third of their budget this year because of the pandemic. Wow, are there, uh, have you heard any word that there are any you know, Airbnbs, people are staying at Airbnbs or, or VRBOs or anything like that? Well, no, all the people I've talked to have said all their uh, bookings have been canceled. I have not found one person with a booking. Uh, I'm sure there are a few people maybe escaping from New York City coming up here and staying at an Airbnb, but as far as Saratoga Springs is concerned, that has not been happening. And is Spa State Park still open? Spa State Park is still open, and I think there has been some concerns with, again, social distancing there, but when I swung around there, I did not see large groups of people congregating. So it does seem like the city, the city, many people in the city said, we are going to do this because we want to get through this as quickly as possible because we don't want this to keep going for too long. So there's so, a real sense of unity there. People are on all yes, the page about this. Yes, there is, a, there is a strong sense of the community there because they know that they are really rely on their tours. Their tours are everything to everybody, basically. So this isn't the first time Saratoga has gone down into the pits. And, uh, you know, during World War II, the track closed for a while. That was a really tough time. And then in the 50s, things started to fall apart again. But they've always bounced back. So they will likely bounce back again once they get through this. It's interesting to see. I mean, this is so unprecedented. It's good to hear that they have the confidence that they think they'll bounce back from it because they feel like they've done it. They've been through it before. Yes. In, on yes. some level. On some level. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So. Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, Jessica. That's it for this week. I'm Jessica Marshall. We'll be back next week with another look inside the newsroom. Well, right now it's kind of a virtual newsroom. 
But in the meantime, head over to timesunion.com for the latest news and features from the Capital Region.